0: Well, welcome to the Minnesota Ministers Prayer and Fasting Retreat. And uh, just so good to be together, isn't it? I have been uh, looking forward to this, gathering together with pastors and evangelists and missionaries, ministers of all different kinds. And uh, together we can lay down all of our titles. We can be brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the king, and uh, just come to honor him, to glorify him, to draw near to him. So uh, we come with one purpose, to hear from God, to fast, to pray, to intercede, draw near to him, and to hear his voice. Calendars don't permit times like these, unless you're intentional. So thank you for being intentional thank you for prioritizing prayer thank you for having a desire to be in God's presence and to hear his voice and his marching orders and his instructions for your ministry for your life for your family it is uh, just so good to gather together on the way up here I had a song running through my mind shared it with the Presbyters. We've been together with them the last couple of days, last night and this morning, and uh, had just a, a great time with the Presbytery team. And uh, I had this song running through my head that kind of betrays my age. I know, I, you know, you'd think I'm in the 20s, I'm sure, but it's just a little bit beyond that, 120 maybe. And uh, the, uh, the song that was in my mind was, Take Me Back. So I'm sitting in my car and anybody under like my age is saying, what is take me back? Who's saying that? Andre Crouch. Andre Crouch. Okay. And I see a few heads nodding. That's good. Andre. And I had to, I had to plug it into my car. I had it on my, I had to go to my phone and I'm singing it like one times, two times, three times. 4 I'm just singing this over and over and over. Take me back. Take me back to the place where I, first received you. Take me back to the place where I believed. Come on. And as I'm singing and as I'm crying in the car, the significance of where I was headed came to mind. I was just glad to be headed to, to camp, but we're going to prayer and fasting retreat. We're going to a place that I've had the privilege of, of spending weeks in in months in this room and on these grounds, take me back. I think of the first time that, uh, that I can recall God really speaking to me on these grounds as a 10 year old in boys camp. We didn't have kids camp back then. We weren't spiritual enough to be with the girls. <laughs> they knew they were right. And uh, I'm 10 years old in the old tabernacle and Lowell Lundstrom is preaching. And he's got the table down front and he's got this, some of you have heard me share this story. He's, as he preaches on the Ten Commandments, he has 10 jars and he brings out one at a time. And as he, as he finishes the first one, he's got this big rubber mallet and just crushes it. Glass flies everywhere. We wouldn't do that today. <laughs> things can happen uh don't do that kids camp, chris second commandment third and like but i'm just like please finish finish i need to get my 10 year old body butt down to the altar i need to talk to jesus i am a sinner man and i was there have been many of those occasions in my life, but that was a momentous occasion on these grounds. Lord, take me back to the place where I first received you. I think of a spot right over there where God divinely spoke into my life years ago. All across this room, we have memories. There's a there's a part of the line in the song that says, The memories are drawing me. Some of you will have that tune haunting you tonight as you're trying to go to sleep. Take me back. The memories are drawing me of, of being in God's presence and what he has spoken to me over the years and what God has done and what God is going to do. So God, we're here. We're at a place where for many of us, We've met with him before. For those of you that this is your first time, we just say welcome. It is so good to have you join us. And uh, this is a very, very special time. When we can gather together, I I feel a special time anytime I enter this room, whether it's with students or kids or families. But to come with ministers is a very special occasion. And so I'm just so excited to be here with you and uh, to see what God is going to speak into our lives in the days ahead. Uh, I want to talk schedule for just a moment with you. And just, to, to, again, some of you, this is your first time with us. Others of you, uh, you kind of know what's coming. But uh, just this is just kind of an opening session. Typically, I would have the privilege of sharing this opening session. But coming off a of sabbatical, my friend uh, pastor doug graham is uh, is going to take tonight and excited to hear from him uh, so that 's tonight at five and then at seven Choco de jesús will introduce you to later another session tonight at seven and uh, we'll gather around the altars in all of those sessions. Uh, tomorrow morning, you'll see that there's just a time set aside. We aren't getting up real early as far as gathering. We're gathering at nine. So there's some time for you to just, uh, each of us have a personal time with the Lord and then come into this room and missionary Doug Loneberg and Karine are here all the way from Kenya. It is so good to have you guys home. My goodness. Uh, we'll talk more in the way of introduction later, perhaps, but I've had the privilege of when they were in Ethiopia just a few years ago, we rode donkeys up a mountain, and I've just about forgiven them for that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Pastor Doug is 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 uh, just... Uh, There's so many things we could go down this path. I better not. Doug's going to preach here. So uh, we'll talk more later. And uh, just great to have the Lohenbergs home with us. And uh, they were ministering in one of our churches at Bethel's Rock this last Sunday. So that'll be tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock then. We'll have a corporate prayer time together praying for needs in our cities, in our state, in our nation, in our world. And uh, it's uh, a place uh, in a time where we can corporately unite our, our prayer together. That's at 11. We'll have... Uh, did I mention pizzas delivered tonight at? Oh no, 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 that, that's not happening. Okay, back to tomorrow at uh, three o'clock. We'll have more of a missions focus, and uh, it says commissioning service. But thankfully, our AGWM Assembly of Scott World Missions was able to commission our missionaries this year in Springfield. Uh, COVID did not interfere with that and so we will have a missions focus but we won't have the the uh, commissioning service but uh, then it will have, we will break the fast tomorrow 5 o'clock and uh, I hope you're there because I, I feel pressure like to eat your brisket and mine if you're not there okay so uh, just plan on being here for dinner tomorrow at 5 that'll be uh, just a joyous time and the schedule says seven, but we 're going to move the service tomorrow night to six. Pastor Choco has to get back to Springfield has something that has come up he 'll be with us tomorrow night and uh, but we 're going to move that service up and uh, there's some other factors involved in that so but it's, if we can move that from uh, dinner at six five and then the service at six tomorrow evening and then we 'll close off on Wednesday morning with a great close. Uh, Closing session together. So excited about all that's on the schedule. Let me take just a couple more minutes of Doug's time here, and uh, let me. I said I'll take just five minutes, Doug. You can. Uh, uh, so I want to just update you on camp a little bit. We had just uh, a wonderful time, as I said, with the Presbyters uh, last night and today, and uh, it was back in 2017 when we met as a Presbytery Board over here in this building. We talked about. You know, God has provided the 10 additional acres to the south that were the Olson property. Not the Mark and Teresa, but the uh, Olson property. And uh, those 10 acres were purchased. And they were uh, purchased a few years ago as Pastor St. John led us. And as a district, we made that investment. A few years before that, we had purchased the Hillcrest RV and uh, some land to the north of that and so as we talked about it in, in uh, 2017, we, we recognized God is leading. God has provided a way for us to purchase these properties. Let's figure out what God wants to do in the days ahead with that property that he has placed in our hands and given us the ability to purchase. So in that moment, we had, because of the, all of the acquisitions of just recent days, we had $1.7 million of debt. It was all good debt, but it was debt, and we said, "Let's just work on paying this down as quick as we can, so that we can get ready for what God wants to do next." By the end of 2019, we were almost there. In 2020, there was only 210,000 left, and that was that was done away within 2020. The last 210,000 during COVID was paid off, and uh, that was pretty exciting. 1.7 million dollars. Yeah, to God be the glory. And as we looked at 2020, understanding a little bit of where we're at and the progress that had been made, it was like we'd need to move forward with some housing. Our youth camps and our kids' camps were at an all time high, uh, just had grown. We had kids literally sleeping on the floor some of the weeks. Not your kids, but there were kids. Not from your church, but there were kids. Nameless kids who ended up sleeping out of floor, and that uh, wasn't what any of us want, and it wasn't every week, but it was the the, the, the growth, the trajectory was significant. I could give you specific numbers, we won't take time. Uh, and, and the decision was made by the Presbyterian at that point, let's get going. Let's build a new housing facility on the lake. Let's move the Olson house which sits over here now, and if you'd like, you need to come through it and see it. It is absolutely beautiful. I'm staying at it, but my wife's there too, and the grandkids, so knock before you come in. And uh, they just sighted, just put the deck on it. They moved it, and uh, great, just a a great move forward with that. But uh, with the the new facility, we'll sleep 250, and uh, it will allow us to have 250 additional children here every night at Kids Camp. 250 students here every night of youth camp. During family camp, we've been at capacity for years and it will allow us to have many, many more families, 250 bodies. And uh, we're so excited about the possibility. Now, there was uh, a, a part of that in that we had to pay for. It. it was a great, it was a vision, but there, there's this other side of it is God's provision. And so as we began to pray and as Pastor St. John has led the charge on this over the last two years, uh, we came into this event last year with, I think I've got it written down here, uh, last year we were about 3.8. It's a seven million dollar project. It, oh, did I mention it has a, a whirlpool, a hot tub, and uh, a swimming pool? Oh, I didn't. Okay, it does. And uh, so, seven million with furnishings. And uh, as we began to work on that, and Pastor has led the charge, last year we arrived and we were at, with some lead gifts. There was a, an individual donor of a million. The district stepped in at a million. And uh, we've, we've since increased that to a fourth year from the district's end. Churches and individuals across the state have just been so faithful. And we thank you for that. But it was $3.8 million as of last September when we gathered together. And uh, as of tonight, one year later, we are at just about 5.4 million of pledges. And so, the, yeah, we can give the Lord a hand for that. That is so awesome. With the the progress and with the trajectory and and seeing what God is doing and and recognizing there's still 1.6 million in pledges to be raised and a whole lot of cash after the pledge is made. Recognizing all of that, the presbyter said in faith this morning with a unanimous decision, let's go. Now they had already given the green light this summer as far as when we hit five and a quarter million, we're going to we're going to proceed with plans. But now we're going beyond the plan thing. And as soon as we can go, it'll probably be spring before we can get there uh, because all of the, the plans and all of those things are in process now. Final approval we're waiting on and uh, waiting for more cash to come in. By the way, we have already put 150,000 in on it. And we have another uh, million and a quarter cash in hand that has already come as God's people have been faithful and God has been faithful to his people. So we are so excited. I just wanted to update you. This is a special place for so many of us who have been here over the years to recognize that in the summer of 2023, it is possible that we could have a new building ready to go. And our families and our kids and our children uh, and our students could all be benefactors of that, so we say to God be the glory, and thank you, church, thank you for your faithfulness, pastors in in leading your churches, thank you for your your individual uh, Pledges that you have made as you've led your churches, and Pastor St. John and I have tried to to do the same. We're we're trying to to get out there, and I won't go through all of the numbers, but uh, trust me, he is he is sacrificing, and Barb and I have tried to do the same. And so, God will do what we cannot do, right? And uh, we are excited about that. And this is a beautiful place, and it's about to get bigger. So take a good last look. We trust and we pray this will be the last time you'd see that lakefront you might want as you're praying tomorrow walk over there it's uh, it's a large area the whole lakefront is going to be consumed with the the one building which has the pool and the whirlpool jacuzzi hot tub whatever I there's a lot of things I like to call it I just like to sit in that thing and uh, then and then the swimming pool and uh, so we're excited about that and then housing for 250 so that's on the docket and on its way well, we we are here ready to hear from God and uh I want to invite in just a moment my friend Pastor Doug Graham to come Doug serves as our assistant superintendent for the Minnesota district and is just a integral part, a valuable part of our team in Minnesota, has done just a a great job in leadership. His his ministry experience, he was a youth pastor like a few of us have been. And uh, he then pastored over in Wisconsin and then pastored in Bismarck, a great church which became greater uh, during his leadership. And I think it was there where we first met. was out there for a funeral of my uncle who was a part of your church and uh, we talked at that point about you know your kids are moving toward Minnesota it'd be great if someday you move toward Minnesota and uh, that day did come. And uh, he came to North Central University as a part of the leadership team there and uh, continues to serve at North Central and to serve uh, 30% of his time with us in the Minnesota district. So he's a great pastor, great man of God, a great friend. thank you, Doug, for being with us and taking this very special time. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Mark. Love you, man. Well, I think it is uh, uh, very appropriate for us to get on our feet and give an applause for our pastor, Mark Dean. Mark, you are awesome, and we love you. The The vision that God has given Pastor Mark for our state, our district, and our camp is unbelievable, and I was witnessing it, and you as presbyters probably were witnessing it as well. Those of us who are working in the district office, we've felt the absence of Pastor Mark these last 12 weeks uh, as he and Barb were on a very well-earned sabbatical, and to have them uh, back and sharing, it's just the energy is there, and we're so grateful that God has given you to us and... Uh, I'm privileged to be a part of this district. I'm not a homegrown Minnesotan. My wife and I are homegrown Montanans. And uh, we got married and moved to, the north, moved to the Midwest, go to North Central University, and then did all of our ministry in Wisconsin and North Dakota, and, and then had the opportunity to come back here to this great district serving at North Central. And uh, Doug Loneberg, I had you were one of my professors way back in the day, and I was just tickled that you were going to be a part of this week with us, and Corinne as well. Welcome back back to Minnesota. Uh, What a privilege to call you to prayer. And that's what my task is if this fly doesn't distract me. I am not Mike Pence. (laughs) But it is my task to call us to prayer. And um, when I was thinking about The theme that might uh, frame what I want to say in the next few minutes, I thought of the word reset. And I think that there is maybe no more appropriate term for us to think about as it relates to the opportunity that we have in these next 36 hours or so to allow the Lord to reset our hearts and our spirit and our vision. Because we've been through a lot in these last 18 months. I mean, we're, we're kind of on the verge of the second anniversary of, of COVID. And in these last 18 months, in the midst of a global pandemic, we, we have all gone through an incredible amount of social instability that has resulted in all kinds of things in our major cities, and some of that trickling even out into our rural areas. And if that wasn't enough, we had a presidential election transition of power that certainly was not a unifying national experience. But I know that your people in your church, good Minnesotan, good and godly people, they were not affected by any of that turmoil and didn't bring any of that controversy to you, did they? (laughs) None of our people got swept up into the controversies. Well, right. Virtually all of the chaos and all of the division and All that we witnessed on our television screens and on our computers and on our smartphones, somehow, some of that found its way into our churches and into our board meetings. And and you found it in your uh, email uh, inbox, right? People sending you all kinds of emails and all kinds of ideas and all kinds of pitches. And uh, you have been pastor nice guy pastor nice gal you are the you are the pastor i just want to love people and want to be loved by people and we found ourselves at the tip of a spear to all kinds of manipulated triangles where people were trying to corner us into their specific ideas and their positions on all kinds of divisive issues that have nothing to do with the gospel just a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I, I'm having the great privilege. I'm having a blast serving as the interim pastor at Rochester Assembly, and, and it's just a fabulous church, just loving it, having a great time. But two weeks ago, I had an individual come up to me after the service, and, and, uh, a, and when I say gentleman, I'm, I'm using that word very graciously. <laughs> he basically accosted me. And said, the church needs to be teaching more about this and more about that and more about this and more about... And I want to say, brother, why are you so mad at me? I'm, I'm just the interim pastor. I'm the nicest guy around. And... But you know what I'm talking about. This has been happening to all of us. And that's how each of us have kind of found ourselves with the onslaught of voices beckoning us to take their side on all kinds of issues. And for that reason, I I find that this prayer and fasting retreat couldn't happen at a better time. That this is the time for when everything is up for grabs, this is the time that we need to reset. And that's what's happening in our culture, in our world, around the world. Everything's up for grabs. And we really, 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 as, as much as you know, we've had to answer all these emails and reply to all these disappointed, angry people threatening to leave the church, and some of them are, and, and all we're trying to do is try to figure out how to get people back to church after COVID and how to somehow bring normalcy back to what we used to be doing in the church. And it's in the midst of all of this, we have to hear the voice of God. All the more, because there are so many voices out there that are, that are pulling at our ear, clamoring for our attention, and what we need is a reset so that we in this prayer and fasting retreat, we can hear the one voice, the one voice who can confirm that we're moving in the right direction, that can confirm to us that we are on the right path, even in the midst of people who are saying that because we're not on their bandwagon, we're We're not going the right way. I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Pastor Mark, you mentioned this briefly during our presbyter meetings, and I want to unpack it a little bit. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. And we're all familiar of this episode that happens, and I want to bring a few thoughts from it. Luke 10 38 says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me? to do all the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered you, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Such a familiar passage to all of us. You know, a passage like this, sometimes when we are trying to unpack the word of God to our congregations. Sometimes we're in a passage that has so much uh, cultural issues that are so different than the way and what we live today that we have to kind of translate it culturally. But this is one of these passages where there isn't a whole lot of cultural unpacking that has to be done. It's pretty simple. It's it's pretty relevant to to our lives and to our churches and and in light of our current realities, this this pastoral challenges, these missionary challenges. This is a great passage that, that addresses the need and what it might look like to reset. And then we ask the question, well, how, do, how, how in the world do we, do we do that when there's so much to be done and there's so many people we need to respond to? Before we examine, in particular, this particular text, I I have found it interesting that Luke places this scene just before the classic gospel teaching on prayer. If you go back to the previous chapter, the end of it, Jesus is responding to his disciples who are saying to him, Jesus, John teaches his disciples to pray. We need you to teach us to pray. And Jesus responds and and gives to us the, what we call the classic Lord's Prayer, which is a beautiful teaching that encompasses the nature of prayer and the components of prayer. So I'd like you to think about perhaps the thought that he had in his mind when he placed this particular issue with Mary and Martha just before the Lord's Prayer that happens in the next chapter. I said it was the earlier chapter, but it's actually in chapter 11. I want you to think about the sequencing of this. That Why would Luke, we all know that the gospel writers did not necessarily write in chronological order the events, but they placed the events in strategic ways to to make a point. And if so, I would want to ask Luke when we get to heaven, I I have a theory as to why you placed the Mary and Martha passage just before the classic teaching on the Lord's Prayer. Because I wonder if if Luke by doing this is helping us to understand that the teaching on the nature of prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is only effective when we understand the priority of prayer, which is what we're going to see as we unpack this this passage where Martha is so upset that her sister Mary is not helping her in the kitchen. In the Mary and Martha episode, Clearly, Mary has her priority right. That works of service, or what we might call the work of God, sometimes needs to be put on hold, especially especially when Jesus is in the house. And while Martha not only misses that priority, because she misses that priority, it actually opens the door for bitterness to grab a hold of her heart. Like, Lord, don't you care? My, my sister's not helping me. And we've been trying to get the house ready for you. And we say, well, what does this all mean? And specifically to the context here for these days that we have together, what is the purpose for this prayer and fasting for you? Why are you here? What is it that has caused you to be able to let go of the busyness of the work of God, which is good to be able to now focus these hours on the Lord of the work? Because that's what it takes to cut away from home and family and our churches and all the urgencies that are back there. For some people, and I hope for most of us it's You're motivated to be here because you know that you need this full-on engagement with the presence of Jesus like never before. And so you've come, and and you're here, and you're ready. And you've been looking forward to this retreat and maybe even doing a little fasting, uh, getting some momentum going. And you're like Mary. You're ready to sit at the feet of Jesus for these next few hours. That's fabulous. But I've been a pastor for 30-plus years, and I know what it's like to come into these kinds of events. And I'm not quite there yet that actually I would find myself at events like this simply by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin because I was so busy. And there were so many urgencies that needed to be addressed that I couldn't really break away. And if I did break away, when I got there, I wasn't quite into it just yet because it's been so busy. And I think we've all been there. We've all been there. And if that's your current reality, we all understand That you're you know, like you're barely here. And God understands. Jesus responds to Martha, and it's clear that he was responding to her with some firmness by the fact that Luke records that he says her name twice: Martha. Martha. And sometimes we hear the firmness of God's voice to catch our attention, to, to get us on track. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus. Our Father in heaven, they're, they're gentle and they're kind and, and they ha- only have our best interest in mind. But sometimes that we have, to be, we have to be spoken to with a kind of firmness to help us to understand that what we have ahead of us in these next 36 hours or so is precious. I love how you said it, Pastor Mark. You, you, we don't have these times because we got so much leisure time on our hands. We don't have any of that. We have to be intentional and we have to prepare for it. We have to plan ahead. We have to put it on the calendar and let other things fall by the wayside when all these other things are beckoning us. And we say, no, we're going to be it. I'm going to be at prayer and fasting because I need it. I think of my own personal reality. As Pastor Mark mentioned, I've just been so blessed to have been invited to come to North Central University seven years ago and to serve as a vice president and it's been fabulous, working for Dr. Anderson, being a part of the smooth transition to President Hagan, just outstanding. Our, our school has been, and it still is in tremendous hands with, with our presidential leadership. It's fabulous. Last January or so, I, I was thinking about my role as a vice president. I was thinking about, you know, all of those responsibilities. Quite an honor to especially lead our chapel programming and, and being able to be at all the influential meetings and be kind of a, a bishop representation in those meetings it's been fabulous really really exciting and and quite an honor but I began to realize it really isn't my strike zone it isn't really the 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 heartbeat of my passion to to be necessarily a vice president in those levels and what was really stoking my fire was my portfolio allowed me to be in the classroom teaching a couple classes and that's what was really lighting me up and I asked our president last January if I could if I could step off and I could go more full-time into the classroom and, and, and still maintain my position here at the district. And, and he said, right on. That's exactly, I would love to, uh, th- that would be a great idea. That would be fabulous. And so President Hagen has given me the opportunity to, 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 to do that, to, to move more into a faculty position and to be dedicated a little bit more for what's happening in our district. But I'm telling you what, being a full-time professor, I've got five classes. I've got about 150 students. And, and Doug and Crean, you guys have been there before. I mean, i got a new kind of busy going on in my life right now. Because on my computer, I've got about 30 essays to be grading before I get back on, to class on Thursday. And we all have that. We have all kinds of things that are clamoring for our attention. Good things. Godly things. But I've got a new kind of busy going on. I, did I tell you, about, uh, about two weeks ago, I became a grandparent twice in one week. I got four, twice in one week. We had two of our kids have babies in the same week. <laughs> and last spring, we had one of our children have twins. So t- 2021, we've got four new grandchildren. We're busy. <laughs> well, here's what I want to do. I want us to look at Luke chapter Uh, luke chapter 10 these verses and i i want to i want to frame this passage and the teaching around probably what has been my favorite book that i've read this past year john mark comer's book uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry how many of you have read that book a fabulous book on spiritual formation he's a young writer takes a totally different kind of perspective to looking at the the need for spiritual formation doing these things like sitting at the feet of Jesus and how busyness is just eating our lunch and it's eroding our spiritual depth and it's and it's manifesting in in a lot of thin ministry endeavors. And so I'd recommend that book. But I want to take that phrase, the ruthless elimination. And what I want to do is I want to look at this set of verses, verses 40 through 42. And I want to say, number one, if we're going to have a reset, we have to have a ruthless elimination of distraction. The first part of verse 40, Martha was distracted. She was distracted by all the things that needed to be done, all of the preparations. And, and isn't that pastoral missionary life right there? I mean, if you're doing anything for the Lord, you're busy. And that's good. There's all kinds of preparations, and you, you have success, and you win people to Jesus, and the church starts to grow. Your mission's endeavor starts to gain momentum and traction, and there's all kinds of things that you get to put your hands involved in, and there's a, there's a good kind of busy. But what I've found is that when we look at the statistics of pastors and missionaries and evangelists who are on the sidelines because of burnout, it's not because of laziness. It's because of busyness. It's because of an inability to shut it off. How do we shut it off? You know, not, not totally walk away, but I've had two sabbaticals in my ministerial career, and neither one of them was by choice or by gift. It was, they were forced sabbaticals. One of them was the result of just some really difficult things that I went through related to my mom and dad getting divorced and some things happening and I went into spiraled right into depression and had to get counseling get on medication thank the Lord for Dr. Tim Rudin who helped me in the year 2002 and my board that I was as pastoring was graciously gave me a sabbatical and I was able to heal up and that was wonderful and a lot of you know about a year and Three months ago, I had open-heart surgery. I had triple bypass surgery, and I had another forced sabbatical. Well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a go-getter. I'm kind of intense. I'm kind of a, you know, always got to be busy kind of guy. And I have a hard time shutting it off. And I think many of us do. But we have to figure this out. Martha was struggling. Her focus was on the work of God. And that's Great. But it's not as important as the God of the work. So somehow we have to not get distracted by things that are good. They're just not the best. But our world of pastoring and ministry, I mean, we've got one crisis out of of another. And how do you say no to an urgent call on your day off when someone's marriage is going down the toilet or, you know, we're going to respond to that because that's who we are. We're responders. We're like EMTs. And, and so we're always going to respond. But I think what we found is even in COVID, especially, you know, the hospital workers, they're, they're just there, but they're they're dropping like flies because the, the crisis is so high. So we got to learn how to understand where the distractions are and make good choices. The second thing is this. Not only a ruthless elimination of distraction, but a ruthless elimination of comparison. Last part of verse 40. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work all by myself? Isn't it interesting that comparison will often quickly lead us to self-pity? Woe is me. God, look how busy I've been. Look how faithful I've been. And, and God, it's been all for you. I was was busy because you were coming to the house. And all these preparations and what we'd call the work of God is a part, a significant aspect of what we do. It's not a substitute for the best pastoral, missionary, evangelistic work, which is prayer, being in God's presence. In one of my classes, I recently asked a question to uh, my students uh, on the topic of the importance of prayer in the life of a of a minister, and I I said to them, I, I'm gonna ask you a question, I want you to answer it as quick as possible. Don't think about it, just give me your quick response. I said, Is prayer a verb or a noun? And they raised their hands. Verb, verb, verb. Prayer is the act of praying. And I think we would agree with that. And I followed up by saying, Okay. Let me ask you this question. Do you want to be known characterized as a minister who prays or do you be, want to be characterized or known as a minister of prayer? Meaning, will you will prayer merely, merely be an activity of your life or will prayer be the identifying quality of your life? And here's the tricky thing about this comparison thing. If you if you look closely, if you if you surf the websites of of churches and other pastors that are really killing it out there, you're going to see the benefits of pastors that are really busy and that are really productive and you're going to be tempted to think that's the secret, I've just got to get busy and I'm here to remind you that being busy is good but the real secret is presence. I would dare say that when you see a busy pastor really killing it, it could be that that pastor also has a deep prayer life. And so be cautious about how you're comparing yourself to other ministers and other ministries and other churches and don't be seduced by the mirage of busyness or the the myth that busyness is really where it's at. It's good to be active and good to have productivity as a mindset, but we can't let it drown out Presence. Let's go to the third elimination: ruthless elimination of productivity. Verse forty-one. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset by many things. In other words, you're, you're all consumed by your productivity. But only a few things. Only one thing is needed. I mean, there's no question that the work that we do, whether on the mission field or in the local church, uh, wherever it is, it, 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 it entails a very real kind of production. Uh, you're a lead pastor or you're a youth pastor or you're a children's pastor. Uh, you are preparing. I mean, the bulk of your productivity is that weekly sermon, that weekly, that weekly exposition of God's Word to children, teenagers, or adults. And that takes a bulk of, you know, your, your life. And, and while we should reflect the words of Jesus who said that, you know, we must be busy about our Father's business for night comes when no man will be able to work, yes, But the activity of prayer often becomes thin and is susceptible to simply being a check-the-box activity. But when prayer is deeper than just activity, when prayer is the significant marker that describes the kind of spiritual leader you are, that it's more important than just simply being productive, then what happens is prayer goes deep and it's more than an activity, but it describes your way of life and it truly drives the why behind all the what that you're doing. It keeps you from being overimpressed by how much you produce and it keeps you from a false sense of discouragement when you hit seasons and you'll have them when it doesn't seem like you're being as productive as you were in other times. So a ruthless elimination of productivity. And then finally, lastly is this. A ruthless elimination. If we're going to truly reset, we have to have a ruthless elimination of lesser important things. And what did Jesus say in verse 42? Mary has chosen what is better. You've chosen what's better by coming, by being here. And are there some legit reasons why some of our peers aren't here? Absolutely. No judgment. And so we're not going to do any reverse comparisons. You know, we might put ourselves in the spiritual Mary category for being at the prayer and fasting retreat, and we're thinking about our friends that are the Marthas, the more pragmatic people, getting things done back home, and and we're not going to do that. They value prayer. Of course they do. So it's That's not the point. The point is that in an era of of time, in in an area where there's so much sideways stuff going on, upside down going on, where 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 it's easy to think that I'm already way behind and I've got to get busy. I don't have the time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Here's what we need to constantly remind ourselves of. There will always be more work to do there will always be the sermon is never fully prepared. There's always another follow up call to someone who's visiting your church. There, there's always another parishioner at the hospital. There, there's always going to be dirty dishes in the sink. But when Jesus is in the house, it's okay. It's okay. So Jeff, I don't know if we've got the team that could come up because we want to move into actually doing what we came to do and to go to prayer. You've been called to pray. Perhaps this message gives you some direction, some thoughts. But here's what I want you to think about as a, as a concept as you begin As we begin together, seeking God. Identify what the dirty dishes are that if you allow your mind to go to, you're going to get all consumed by a lot of things that need to get done, that aren't getting done because you're doing something different. Just identify them and say, Lord, I give them to you. I recognize that there are dirty dishes in the sink, things that need to be done, and I'm going to acknowledge it so that I can kind of Emotionally detach from it and I'm going to walk into the living room and I'm just going to sit at your feet I want you to just do that in, in, in however way it kind of relates to the distractions the lesser important things that even though you're here there are times while you're here you, you're not here you're back home thinking about something that you can just let go of for a few hours All right, so let's stand. Jeff, I don't know if you got a song that can kind of help our heart to pursue Jesus. Lord, thank you that you love us so much. And we're okay with the fact that there are some undone things as a result of us being here. You know, an emergency might pop up. We might need to take a phone call. We might need to make a text. We understand that. We understand that. But God, let us not, let us not open the door to, to, to things that aren't necessary, that we lose the opportunity to really be poured into in these hours that are precious. Because some of us need deeper healing. And some of us need deeper, a deeper a revelation of vision for our church and our ministries some of us here are are in a desperate situation personally and we just we need the delivering hand of god we're here and you're here so help us god